Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. Let's pray. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive. And together, our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding, signs, wonders, and miracles will take place at the teaching of your word. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. All right. So, today, I want to pay very close attention because I'll finish up what we're doing with the book of Ecclesiastes this Wednesday. But I'm not done with the book. So, sometimes before the end of the year, we'll pick up again uh, wisdom from from wisdom for living from this book and we'll try and finish it up this year but this is financial wisdom from the book of ecclesiastes and uh, first of all i want to show you something from the life of jesus come with me to john chapter 13 and verse 19 john chapter 13 and verse 19 and as i would always say i'd like you to please take these teachings very seriously not just hearing them, but listening to them with the aim of applying them. Praise God. With the aim of 29, please. John chapter 13 and verse 29. John 13 verse 29. There is the record of the incidents before the Passover. And um, I want to state this first before we go to the book of Ecclesiastes. John chapter 13 verse 29 For some were supposing Some of the apostles there with Jesus Because Judas had the money box Some translations will say Because Judas had the money bag That Jesus was saying to him by, Okay, come to verse 27 please That's, So you have a context to it Go back to verse 27 after the Moselle, Satan then entered into him. Therefore, Jesus said to him, what you do, do quickly. So, Jesus said, what you do, do quickly. So, that's what they were thinking of when, what we're reading in verse, 20, verse 29. Now, no one of those reclining at the table knew for what purpose he had said this to him. For some were supposing. So, there's a context to it. That because Judas had the money box, that Jesus was saying to him, buy the things we have need of for the feast. Or else that he should give something to the poor. Now, why did I read this passage of scripture? We find out three things from this passage of scripture. Number one, Jesus in his ministry had a money bag. He had a money bag. That would tell us he had an account where to keep the money. Right? Jesus had a money bag. So he had somewhere the money was being kept. And that's very important to tell us that Jesus had a saving culture. When you take a look at Jesus from the scriptures, most people always would feel everything about Jesus was miracles. But he had a money bag that someone was holding the money for him, for the ministry team. What money is what this? Luke chapter 8 verse 1 to 3 tells us uh, the partners were giving money. The money that was were being given to Jesus, someone was holding it. Number two, the Bible says that they thought that Jesus was sending Judas to buy 
the things that were needed for the feast. They thought that they were sending Judas to buy what was needed for the feast. What, what does that tell us? That Jesus prioritized his finances. He prioritized his finances. He had a system for his finances in such a way that when the other apostles saw Judas standing up, they thought, oh, it could either be one of two things. Either Judas was going to buy what was needed for the feast or to give something to the poor. What does that tell us? Jesus had two main purposes for his money, according to that verse of scripture. What, were, what was the two purpose? Buying what was needed for whatever he wanted to do or to give to the poor. And that clearly tells us a balanced approach to our finances. Learning how to spend for what is needed. When you start building out your finances, when you start building your journey to wealth, you're not in a position to just buy the things you want. Are you still with me? Come on, I said, are you still with me? You're not just in a position to buy the things you want. You are in a position to buy what you need. Especially when you're building out your finances. You must understand that your journey to prosperity and increase is a long journey. And so you've got to, you've got to build with care. You've got to build with precision. And you also have a plan for giving. That would include giving to your local church and giving to those in need and giving to those you want to help. So there must be a very balanced approach to your finances. Even as a child of God. Having some form of savings. Prioritizing what you need and focusing on that. And also uh, having a budget for giving. Don't assume that if you recklessly spend your finances, God will consistently bail you out. Are you still with me? Come on, I said, are you still with me? So it's very important at the beginning of the year such as this that you have a master plan for your finances that you would work with. This is not a year to be reckless financially. Don't be reckless. Either in the things you buy or don't be reckless in your charity, in your giving. Don't be. There must be a system around that. Build a system around that. So that as you build your journey to wealth, you're not only building with the miraculous working power of God supernaturally, but you are building with a system that you've put in place. 
Are you still with me? Come and talk to me. Are you still with me? And this is very important. So I wanted to show you that from the life of Jesus. Precision. Precision. Okay. So that's introduction. Let's get to Ecclesiastes chapter 5. And we're going to read. Thank you Lord Jesus. Ecclesiastes chapter 5. And we are going to read from verse 9. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and verse 9. After all, a king who cultivates the field is an advantage to the land. A king who cultivates the field is an advantage to the land. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money. Nor he who loves abundance with its income. This too is vanity. When good things increase, those who consume them increase. So what is the advantage to their owners except to look on? Verse 12 says, the sleep of the working man is pleasant, whether he eats little or much. But the full stomach of the rich man does not allow him to sleep. There is a grievous evil which I have seen under the sun. Riches being hoarded by their owner to his own hurt. When those riches were lost through an, a bad investment and he had fathered his son, then there was nothing to support him. <laughs> so as he came naked from his mother's womb, so he will return as he came. He will take nothing from the fruit of his labor that he can carry in his hands. Solomon was one of the wealthiest kings that ever lived. And if you read Ecclesiastes chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, he talked about how he used his wealth. In fact, he did reference that there was nothing his eye desired that he did not provide for himself. He did not deprive himself any pleasure. He spent money as much as money could be spent. And this is a reflection on several things about finances the deep thinking reflection by king solomon so i want to unpack this gradually the first thing there are six things in this verse in these verses that we've just read the first one is verse nine after all a king who cultivates the field is an advantage to the land the legacy standard bible says but the advantage of the land in everything is this. A king committed to a cultivated field. A king committed to a cultivated field. The New American Bible, not the New American Standard Bible, the New American Bible says, but profitable for a land... In such circumstance is a king concerned about cultivation. What is Solomon saying here? 
that the profit or the advantage a king would have is that his land is cultivated or his field is cultivated. His field is worked on. So to cultivate means to promote or improve the growth of a plant or a crop by labor, by attention, so we can produce. And I want to spend some time on this because you cannot excel in life if your field is not cultivated. So the first thing you want to identify is what's my field? What is my field? And then you cultivate it. What's your field? What's that one thing in front of you that you need to be extremely good at? How good are you at what you do? You are a tailor. You're a mechanic. You're an engineer. You are a data analyst. You're a computer scientist. Have you cultivated your field? Have you made your field ready so we can produce? You know, I thought a message in our Padako church on Sunday called Sleeping During Harvest. And I was telling them that many people, when harvest comes, they don't have systems to accommodate the harvest. No structures have been built. Are you cultivating your field? What's your field? Have you identified it? The advantage to the land is the king who cultivates his field. One of the goals you need to set for yourself this year is to be extremely good at whatever you do. I'm not saying be good. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying be what? Extremely. What did I say? Extremely good at what you do. Raise the standard for yourself. Don't accept to play on a mediocre level this year. Not just this year, for the rest of your life. You're not going to be wealthy in this world if you're not good at what you do. And extremely good at it. A field that is cultivated, a talent that is harnessed, an ability that has been worked on. In the book, Signposts to the Road of Success, E.W. Kenyon talked about a keyboardist who played a beautiful, you know, tune in an orchestra. And everybody was saying, oh, what a wonderful talent. Oh, what a wonderful talent. And E.W. Kenyon said something remarkable. He said, it was not just a wonderful talent. While his mates were playing, he was pounding the keys was practicing, was rehearsing. Cultivated field. If you look at a land that is cultivated and a land that is not cultivated, you can see diligence in a cultivated land. If you ever grew up in an agricultural society, let's say um, when they are planting pumpkin leaves, you see the ridges, a cultivated land. Set a goal to be extremely good at what you do. Don't waste the one life you have. 
Don't waste it in being a mediocre. If you're a tailor, be a good one. Don't be a tailor that is the person who you sold the shirt for that is now telling you what to do. You make hair, be a great one. You preach, be a great preacher. Don't tell stories. I mean, you can tell stories, but do you know what I'm saying? At your job, what did I say you should be this year? Extremely good. Can I hear that? What did I say you should be? Extremely good. Cultivated field. Let me show you a scripture. Solomon again. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 11. Come with me quickly. We have six things to go through tonight and I'm going to finish them. Proverbs chapter 12. Remember what I said about Jesus. Structure for your finances. Something to save. Buy what you need. Give to the poor. You can have a season in your life where you don't buy what you want. It's a season because you're building wealth. A time will come where you buy what you want. Some of you need to leave social media. Don't see things. Are you following what I'm saying? You know, when I say these things, most times it looks like, yeah, pastor is just talking. Pastor is just talking. But if you take this truth and apply them to your life, it will change. It will change you. Look at Proverbs chapter 12, verse 11. He who tills his land will have plenty of bread. But he who pursues worthless things lacks senses. I told you, first of all, identify your land. Till your land. Many times, myself and Pastor Mary, we always you know, have the conversation about focusing in ministry. We keep ourselves focused in ministry. I can do many things. I can try to do many things. few months ago, a pastor reached out to me. said, Pastor, I want to share with you the secret of wealth. I said, wow, who doesn't want the secret of wealth? <laughs> I also want to be rich. <laughs> so he said, oh, uh, he's training people how to sell real estate, to sell land, estates. So there's money that the new oil is land. I said, wow, what a mystery. Then he said, but the training, he trains people one million to learn how to sell land and all that. But for men of God, because we are his colleagues. <laughs> so in my mind, I said, colleague in what? Is it land selling or preaching? Because I'm not... He says, it's 200,000. Then because we went to school together just for the fact that I should bring 150. So I clarified again. Is it 150 for the land or to learn how to sell the land? He said, to learn how to sell the land. So I said, okay, I don't want to learn how to sell land. Is it a good thing to learn how to sell land? Yes. But is the man who tills his land that we have plenty of bread. Selling of land is not my field. If you are in a hurry to make money, you will leave your land and focus on how to make quick money and your land will not be tilled. By the time those who have tilled that land are making money, your land is uncultivated. Sometimes focus means you'll be poor for a season before you enter into wealth. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If not, before you know now, you see my next status. Land for sales. Land for sales. <laughs> it's not bad. But I've learned that focus brings mastery. Let me tell you something. Listen carefully to me. There is nothing anybody has now in what they are doing you cannot have in your field. 
Are you hearing what I'm saying? Come on, church. Are you with me tonight? If, if, if someone is a millionaire selling computers, you can be a millionaire selling hair products. You can be a millionaire selling clothes. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There is no money vested in any trade. Money invest is vested in the cultivation of your land. You cultivate it. You walk ministry. You walk the Bible. He says, but he who pursues worthless things lacks sense. Instead of focusing on your talent, you chase worthless things. There are many of you right now, you are following African nations call. Yet you don't have food to eat. It's pursuing worthlessness. Is it good? It's not good. Pay attention to your life. We don't have all the time in the world. We pray for long life all the time. To do what exactly? Is it just to waste it and lazy about? Now, let me, let me read a translation to you. Um, give me good news of that quickly. Good news. He would... Verse 11. Now be sure of the scripture you project before you project, right? Because you almost took me off balance. A hard-working farmer has plenty to eat. A hard-working farmer has what? Plenty to eat. But it is stupid to waste time on, on what kind of project? What kind of project? I didn't hear that. What kind of project? Useless project. Do you think we have useless projects? Say yes. Even if you don't think so, we all have useless projects that waste our time. Everybody, every one of us, are you following what I'm saying? You have to sit again. Remember, if God told us this is our year of focus, we must constantly remind ourselves to focus. There's a reason God gave us the team this year. Focus and increase. There are useless projects we all have around us. One of the things you must do tonight when you leave here is to identify useless projects. Take them out of your life. You won't make a meaning in life doing everything. You will make a meaning doing something. Cultivating your land. Okay. Now, please, um, did we read the NLT? Okay, I think we can get that from Proverbs. Let me just have the NLT, please. Verse 11, something I want us to check here. Mm-hmm. A, hard work, a hard worker has plenty of food, but a person who chases fantasies has no sense. This is what I wanted. Fantasies. You just sit down. Just imagine yourself as a millionaire. The plane is just taking you. You just landing. You are chasing fantasy. All those things in your mind, open your eyes. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Don't chase fantasy this year. And this is very important. Cultivating your land means hard work. Learn hard work. We have come into a generation where we don't celebrate hard work, we don't work hard. Right? To cultivate your land means to work hard. I'll give you some examples. Quickly, Proverbs 28, verse 19. He who tills his land will have plenty of food. Remember what we talked about. Solomon says, cultivate your land. A king who cultivates his land will be, will be blessed. Um, Proverbs 28, 19. He who tills his land will have plenty of food. 
But he who follows empty pursuit will have plenty of poverty. You see, whatever you are following will bring something to your life. There are people who just sit down. Gigantic projects. Fantasies. Big things. Hmm? Say so you have plenty poverty. <laughs> poverty in plenty. Till your land. Work hard. You know, you, 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 you have to focus on your land. Focus on your land. You are learning an instrument. Focus on it. You're a preacher. Focus on the word. Focus on your ministry. A time will come. The ministry will be of a blessing to you. Just focus on it. You're working in the office. Focus on your job. You know, it's... Uh, we, and I'll read that to you. You know, at a point, people were saying, sack your boss. Sack your boss. You know, um, a salary is the money people give you to steal your dreams. And everybody went to start companies. You see, some people were not born to be entrepreneurs. Don't let anybody deceive you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you with me, church? If you know that your own is to walk under someone, that's all your life is about. Be a faithful example. Let me show you in scriptures. Exodus 33. Exodus chapter 33, verse 11. So the key fact is that Joshua will not leave the tent. Joshua will keep at the tent. God has finished speaking to Moses. Moses will leave the tent. Joshua will stay behind and wait. Serving exceptionally. Do you think when the, the friends of Joshua saw him, they would be excited? They would tell him, what are you doing? You are just wasting your life for this man. Right? Just serving, serving. Even the man that God called has left the tabernacle. You are still there. What are you waiting for? And guess what? When it was time to pick someone to lead Israel, who did God say they should lay hands on? I didn't hear you. Who did God say they should lay hands on? Do you think it was just by chance that God said lay hands on Joshua? No. Joshua earned that because he served his way there. He focused on his field. My field is serving. Focus on it. Abandon yourself in your business. Focus on your business. Hard work. Learn to be a hard worker. I'm going to read some stories of hard workers to you, right? So you, even some of the popular ministers, you know, I, I picked up a book and I saw a lot of stories about people and I just want to read it, but I'll read this one first. This is um, a book called When Destiny Beckons, right? How many of you know Jevnik Restaurants? You know Jevnik? Yeah, this is the lady that founded it, all right? Pretty lady. Interesting story. Interesting story. I've eaten once in that restaurant, so I've, I've always been intrigued at the the homegrown strength of that restaurant. So I kind of find out from some of the staff there if, if there's something to just learn. So they told me the woman has a book that she just released at her 70th birthday. So I bought it and I, I read it. It's quite, quite some interesting story. But in page 204, she wrote something. She says, the lesson for her, she told Mr. Osei, if Madame Jevnik, that's, that's what they call her, herself would take up such humble task, go to the market herself, Joining in hoiling purchases and having them loaded in our trucks, who among the staff dare to refuse to do similar tasks? The example, she says, has formed the practical principles 
of humility and success readily observable in Jevnik. She's right. I like to be hands-on in all our branches when I in all our branches. When I visit, my early hours of the day are usually spent in the kitchen, involved in the cooking processes. I take time to test every food to be sure the quality is standard. None of our chefs is at liberty to deviate from our laid-down measurements, mixes, timing, and cooking temperatures, all of which produces the right aromas and taste. If you were the founder of Jevnik. Now, people might have different things, different philosophies about that. But if you were the founder of Jevnik and you had all these eight branches all, all over Nigeria making the kind of money you're making, I don't think early in the morning you want to find yourself in the kitchen tasting food. What do you think you will be doing? Talk to me. Be honest. What will you be doing early in the morning? Just relaxing, enjoying this tough, soft life. Right? Okay. So, I'm a pastor, so I want to read stories of pastors. This book by Provision, Los Impado, writes about some ministers. The people I know in ministry, and none of it who are really blessed, are people who know how to work. I'll name some ministry friends for you. If you follow them around, you find out that they know how to work. Dr. Lester Sumrall worked for about 16 hours a day, getting up regularly at 4 or 5 in the morning every day, and that was after he went to bed around 10 o'clock in the evening. I was told that it was only just before he went home to be with Jesus when he started taking a 15-minute power nap in the middle of the day. Dr. Sumrall preached 300 meetings a year outside of his own church. 300 meetings a year outside of his own church. I was in his own pulpit 50 out of 52 Sundays each year. He knew how to work. He loved his work. He loved God. He loved people. Andrew Womack. Some of you know Andrew Womack. When I first met Andrew Womack in 1978, he would hold six Bible studies a week in Colorado and Western Kansas. The Bible studies were held on Monday through Saturday and started at 7 o'clock in the evening. Back in those days, those meetings would last until 10 o'clock or later. Andrew then got up at 4 or 5 in the morning to record his radio program in the closet in, the closet in his apartment. To this day, he still walks circles around most people I know. So he does Bible study Monday till... Till what? Till Saturday... And his Bible study started from 7 to what? To 10. 1978. Then he would record his radio program. So when you see him on TV today with that large ministry, you know what you want to do? You know what we're taught to do? Take a 100,000 naira seed, sow into his life, so that that grace would flow. Hard work. Jesse Duplantis worked as a child in a grocery store. Later on, he worked as a rock, rock musician. Jesse got saved and was offered... Jesse loves people and he works hard. Dr. Dogwise is another man who works very hard. I've known Dogwise for 10 years and I consider him to be a good friend. He regularly gets up 3 to 4 in the morning. He has written over 50 books. He has helped people both in churches and marriages. If anyone wants to make it in the ministry, they need to know the value of work. Because sometimes we feel as pastors, ministry is just, you lay hands on people, people fall. Listen to me, church. We need to value hard work again. We are buying a philosophy that makes us lazy. It's good to rest, but rest only after you've worked. We need to bring the culture of hard work to cultivate our field. We cannot pass on a generation that is infused with laziness. Need to work hard, cultivate your field. Take that shop serious. Take your job serious. Be extremely good at what you do. 
Jesus said the night cometh when no man can walk. We must not teach wealth that does not emanate from hard work. Are, are, we, are we together? So, cultivating your field. What one skill will make you exceptional? And let me tell you, the more you give yourself excuses to be lazy, the more you devalue what you bring into this world. The more you devalue what you bring into this world. If there is anything every one of us must do this year, eliminate distraction and increase your value. Increase your value. When you open your mouth to talk, let value come out of you. You do something for someone, let value come out of you. Praise God. Are you still here? Come on, I said, are you still here? You know, as I was meditating on the message this evening in my office, it was still coming to my mind again. What are the things I need to eliminate? Because you, you, you look at it, right? One month is already almost gone in this year. Ask yourself, what have you done? And I know what you'll do. You are going to blame what? Many people. Why you have not created value. October, you have the same conversation. Next year, you have the same conversation. The beauty of life is that these messages you have heard, for some of you, on the judgment day, however your judgment day is going to be, you are going to hear it. Say, play. <laughs> Financial principles from Ecclesiastes. Say, were you in church that day? Say, I'm not sure. And they will show you a picture. You were taking notes. <laughs> Number two, let's go to Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 10. Are you getting blessed? <laughs> are you getting blessed? Okay. I hope you are planted and you are not going to take yourself out of it. You know, you know, someone sent me a message the other time. He says, I wonder how your church people survive. So I said, what? He said, you're always putting them under pressure. I said, I said, pressure to do what? He said, pressure to become better. I said, yeah, that's good. That's good. Do you like it? Even if you don't, you don't have a choice. It has to be under pressure. Not under pressure. I'm just sharing with you what you can be. Because you know what? For everybody out there that you admire, it's not that they have better chances. They put in more work. They put in more labor. Right? They put in more focus. They put in more focus. Okay. Ecclesiastes. Verse 10. Thank you. Verse 10 says, He who loves money will not be satisfied with money. No, he who loves abundance with its income. This too is vanity. So never put money first in your pursuit. The love of money can affect both the rich and the poor. You know, the teacher, talking about Solomon, has repeatedly told us we will not be happy by having more wealth. We will not be happy by having a higher salary. If you think that will, be ha- that will make you happier by having wealth, then you're mistaken. If you love money, you will not be satisfied. Life is not just about the drive of money. Let me tell you something about um, value creation. When you create value, there is something about you that is very satisfied. Right? If you're a tailor, you sew a shirt. Even if they pay you, right? They pay you. 
but you see somebody wearing your shirt. You know, there's something on the inside of you that is not money related. Or you make hair. But you know if you do something that is not good, right? You can tell the person, say, I want to test it. And I say, no, no, why are you hurrying to test it now? No problem, you can test it tomorrow. Because you want to run away quickly. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because <laughs> the person goes to the mirror to test it. And, you know, the shirt is there. And he tells the child, where this car? Come on, man, you're on the back, you have gone. Because you're not proud of what you do. Are you following this? So there's a value that comes in. It's not, about, it's not about money, but you cannot create value and not have money. You cannot create value and not be blessed. You cannot be good and not be blessed. You cannot be good and your boss doesn't want to bless you. So you don't go through life with the love of money. Proverbs 23, 4 to 5 says, Do not wear yourself out trying to get rich. Stop giving your attention to it. As soon as you're uh, as soon as you set your eyes, it flies, it disappears, for it makes wing for itself and flies like an eagle to the sky. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 4 to 5. You're not, you're not driven by the love of money, you're driven by value. Many people for the love of money have destroyed relationships. Right? Even as a minister of the gospel, you're not driven, you want to pour into people's life. You know, that's, that's why I sent me that message, right? You know, because when I come to teach here, I teach my heart. I want you to get it. You know, one of the young men who was with me in Podakot, <laughs> was driving me to, when I was coming back. And so he was telling me, he said, oh, pastor, this, I said, I said, your life will be transformed in six months. If you sit down and listen to me every time, you take notes and you apply what I do. So your life will change. Because you know what? Whatever I'm going to teach is what will change your life. And I look at all the guys who came in and I told them, you know what? Listen to me, six months, put everything I teach to practice, your life will change. I can bet my life on it because I know it will work. You're not going for what people can give to you. You're going to put value. You're going to put value. Not for the love of money. Don't be driven by the love of money. Let me tell you something about money. If Solomon tells you it's vanity, believe it. It will not give you joy. If it will give you joy, why are your supervisors sad? Eh? Talk to me. Some of you have money, but you're sad. You have more money now than you had five years ago. But you're still sad. I know the money is not much like that. But it's still more than what you have. Are you following what I'm saying? So it's no money. It's value. It's the money. So don't settle for the love of money. Let money not drive you. Let everything in your life not be naira and cover or dollars. Everything. Money, money, money. Some of you, they send you on an errand. You don't give account. You collect the change as tax. Say there was some money left over, but uh, it's with me, sir. Everything is money. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Everything is money. Can you help me do this? Say how much? Time is money, sir. Everything in your life is money. <laughs> I remember one time, someone invited me to go to teach the church in the U.S. And uh, so the person wrote, up, wrote, wrote, wrote to me, said, uh, how much do you charge? I was like, charge for what? 
So I said, no, you can't pay. So when I said you can't pay, he thought that the charge was very high. So he said, let me just name, they will see if it's something they can afford. I said, no, you can't pay because you're not the one who called me. So he said, oh, okay, so what will you do for us? So just told me what they wanted to do. <clears throat> they wanted to train their staff. I mean, because <laughs> quite interesting. You know, all these branding people, they had branded training curriculum, logo, label, this, everything. So showed me that the person who wanted to do that for their church staff was charging a staff $100. I'm not saying they shouldn't do that, but $100 per staff. So they were 10 That was $1,000. I said, oh, okay. So I sent them the send them some points from uh, Wisdom Principles for Church Workers. He said, this is what we need. This, ah, he said, this is what we need. It didn't take me 30 minutes to train the church, do whatever they needed to do. Because they were a blessing to me. And now, this year they've asked me to come back. See, the challenge sometimes with when you put money first is you collect all the, the money you should collect for five years. Eh? With interest and honor, you collect it once. So, when we look around your life, all the avenues for prosperity has been short because what you should have been collecting for 10 years, relationships that you open you up to another relationship, you have eaten once and you are gone. They send you to buy something, you, you multiply the amount. You just feel the person will not know. And that ends it. Don't let money destroy your life. Let me tell you something. You are not as poor as you think. If you know what poverty is, most of you listening to me here, you are not poor. I know that you are here now, you are going back to a house. It might not be your own, but it's a house. There are many people this night who don't know where they are going to sleep. They know that as night is coming, it is for sleep. But they don't know where. It's, it's like a man led by the Spirit. Are you hearing what I'm saying? When the night becomes dark, wherever the night meets them, that's where they will sleep. That is poverty. Some of you have colored lights. So I don't like to sleep with white light. You put blue. So I don't like this blue. Light green. You are not poor. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There are people, as we are speaking now, that we have to sleep where there is no light so they cannot be found. You can change light. You can put blue. Some of you are going back now and plan what to eat. There are people, as we are speaking now, have no idea what they will eat. You are not poor. Because if you say you are poor, then we will pray that God will make you really poor so that you can understand what poverty is. And none of us seated yet listening to me has a reason to be ungrateful. I don't care what you earn, even if it's 15,000 every month. As far as you have an address that you can direct someone to, and you have a bed to lay your head, and you are waking up tomorrow, you have somewhere to go that you say, this is my work. You are not poor. Brother, you want to know poverty? Then we can ask the Lord to make you poor. And come back after one year. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? Some of you are even choosing food. That hereby is too soft. You are not poor. When you are poor, 
Because if you keep feeling you are when you are not, you will become. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Are you hearing what I'm saying now? So let's go to the next one. Three. Let's talk about your love money. Come with me to verse 11. When good things increase, those who consume them increase. So what is the advantage to their owners except to look on? I remember a very clear story. Right? Please, let me have the good news of this version. Good news of that verse. I was coming with my family from South Africa or Johannesburg Airport or Tambo Airport for flying back. And there was a guy, he was just waiting. Listen, he was just in South Africa. Can't forget that. He was just waiting for people to finish eating. Right? Once people finish eating, whatever is left over, he would carry and eat. That's what he was just, so he was just waiting. So I observed it. Hmm? I observed it. So when we were about to go, I called him. And I bought food for him. It's not because I was very rich. But I just realized that how can you, how can, do you understand, how can just that, that be your way of life? For instance, you might say, oh, well, he's on drugs and he's everything. There are things that you have passed through that should have led you to drugs that God just kept your brain together. Are you hearing what I'm saying? <laughs> because even some people that are not on drugs, the way they talk to themselves when they are depressed, you almost think they have taken something. Because we'll be fighting people who are present and not present. The richer you are, the more mouths you have to feed. All you gain is the knowledge that you are rich. Hmm? The richer you are, the more mouths. So you just know that you are a rich man. As, the, as money is increasing, mouths has opened. NLT. NLT. The more you have, <laughs> the more people come to help you spend it. So what good is wealth except you have to watch it slip through your fingers? Pay attention to this. The prodigal son, the Bible says in, in verse 13 of um, Luke chapter 15, that he spent his money on riotous living. The New Living Translation says he spent it on wild living. His brother told us what he spent it on. You know, somebody say, and was the brother there with him? No, the brother grew up with him, so the brother knew his tendency. So the brother said he spent it on prostitutes. Right? Luke 15, 30. Okay. Two ways you must look at this. When money increases in your life, these mouths that open up sometimes are not necessarily people. You see, you were okay with a 43-inch screen or 33. Now you, have, you had some raise. You now say you want the TV that is curved. The truth of the matter is that if you ask yourself, let me explain something. If you ask yourself, do you really watch this TV? You realize you don't watch it. Hmm? Then you now buy a curved TV. 1.2 million. Then you change your shoes. Some of you even change your haircuts. Because you're babbing low cuts because you couldn't afford cream. Now, you can buy cream. And I'm training Afro. Hmm? No, your wig changes. Everything around you changes. You know what has happened to the increase you got? Mouths. Things have come to help you spend it. 
There's nobody who gets wealthy when their expenses exceed their income, regardless of how much they earn. You see, on your path to wealth, eh, you must be disciplined. On your path to wealth. On this journey to wealth. If you realize, we keep saying the same thing. You must be disciplined. Look at what Solomon said. Realize that when he was praying that God should help him to lead Israel, he didn't marry many wives. As money came, the man did 1,000. You know what 1,000 wives would do? 1,000 wives. Hmm? Some of you are not sinning now, not because you really are righteous. You are too poor in that sense to sin because those sins are expensive. Yeah, they have sins that are expensive. When you now have money, you now realize that you can buy a bottle of drink for 42,000. So you don't drink Fanta anymore. It causes runny stomach. And you drank Fanta for the, for the first 45 years of your life. Mouths to feed. That's why if you don't have a plan for your money, it would reveal a nature that's deep on the inside of you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's why some money can't serve God anymore. So, as you are experiencing increase, watch for these mouths. The second one is people. Do we bless people? I've showed you already from John that we read, right? You have a budget for the things you need. You have something to give to the poor. Your charity should be on budget. People who will come and help you spend your money, they always have something. Story is always changing. Let me explain something to you. Listen to me. Please hear my heart here. And hear my heart because I'm a giver. I'm a generous person. But hear my heart here. Sometimes we want to give to compensate the fact that we really understand what hardship is. So we, I don't know, we almost give from that feeling of guilt. You see, a charity that is not planned and empowering destroys. Hear me carefully. A charity that is not planned and empowering does what? Destroys. You know why? Because that person, you are empowering them so that they can become empowered. Mouth will increase. What you were comfortable with, you no longer be comfortable with it. You used a phone that was 100,000 for years. Now, you have to use a phone that has six cameras. Hmm? You can, you know, you have a phone now. You need to buy a phone that when you put on water, it does not get bad. Are you planning to, are you planning to go and swim with the phone? Since you bought it. <laughs> no water. You know, sometimes, I'm not saying you can't get these things. But on your journey to wealth, remember, what did Jesus buy for the feast? What was needed. Some of us have toys and gadgets that are draining our life. You subscribe, DSTV. You don't have children now. Eh? Just for premiership. Saturday. And maybe you are following a club that is losing. <laughs> like some clubs that I know that I will not mention their names. Hmm? You now spend 300000 to watch a non-performing team. Hmm? Then you have Netflix to watch on the go. Mouth. DSTV mouth, Netflix mouth. 
Then you subscribe to one other channel where you are paying and they are giving you modern films. The truth of the matter is that which film have you watched in the last one month? Cancel those subscriptions. The indiscipline never become wealthy. They might have money momentarily, but they never become wealthy. You see, let me tell you, a time will come in your life when you have built wealth that the value from your wealth will pay for these things, you will not feel it. There are things I can do now, sincerely. <laughs> you know, I joke with Pastor Mary a lot, and it's quite interesting. You know, but there are things I can do now that I will not even think about it. I mean, it won't be an issue. Really, it will not be an issue. But if I tried them two years ago, it would be an issue. Why? Because at that level of wealth, those things will cost me. See, I want you guys to do well. I want you to prosper. I want you to be rich. I want you to be wealthy. Take this part that I'm showing you. Some of you want to help everybody when you have not stood. It's irresponsible compassion. Hmm? Helping this one, 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 helping this one. At the end of the month, you didn't save anything. You didn't invest anything. You know what will happen? Five years down the line, you will be the one that they will help. You have a budget for your giving. You have a budget for your investment. You have a budget for your future. I'll show you. Read it. It's an interesting book. Solomon talked about a wealthy man who lost everything. And I'll show you. And he says he had a, a son who now he couldn't plan for. And I hope you understand I'm not saying don't give. I hope you get that. <laughs> That's not what I'm teaching you. I'm teaching you what? Precision. Because as you give, as you do these things, wealth will come. You have to be careful how things work. It's very important. Okay, let's run. So the prodigal son spent his father's money. <laughs> the man came back. The man now knew what poverty meant. You know what he said? He said, how many of my hired servants, of my father's hired servants are eating with pigs? He says, I will return. The, nobody preached to him. No, they, it wasn't that he went to a conference. Eh? The man ate food with pigs. Ate food with pigs. He said, no, 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 no. no. One of the ways you know that you are dropping financially is when the things you used to do with ease before now becomes a struggle. You used to be able to pay taxi. Now you can no longer pay. You, used to be, you, you also know that <laughs> the way things are going, you are sliding back home. Like the prodigal son, pin your feet there and say, I will return. Because you have a lot of former rich people. And former rich people are very proud. Because mentally they are still rich. But physically they are poor. So they talk from their mental state. Hoping that they will soon catch up. And it's not like that. You deal with somebody who was wealthy before. They are the most difficult people to deal with. Because they still feel like they have money, but they don't. So what does that lead to? Sometimes it leads to the accumulation of debts. Because they will use their former credit rating to collect debts. And do you understand what I'm saying? So you need to, you need to be realistic and know yourself and say, no, 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 we're not there. Or I'm going back. All right. So when income increases, consumption increases. You must deal with that. Right? You must, not, you must not increase everything when income increases. Because you know what? If that your income did not increase, you would have still lived based on what you were earning before. Am I right? Let's say you had been paid 500000 or 1000 1, 1, naira, and then they started paying you 1500 If that 500 did not come, what would have happened? 
What would have happened? You still live. Won't you still live? You'll find a way to live. So, immediately that increase comes, what comes to your mind? Increase everything. No, it's not the right thing. It's not the right thing. Okay. Alright. Next one. Okay, so let me just drop this point here. When he says that he, he spent his money on prostitutes, um, he might not, I mean, <laughs> that's why I was not there with him, so I'm sure that's why he did his money, boy. In our own context, it might not be prostitutes in that sense. You know, a prostitute is just someone who doesn't add lasting value to you. It's temporary. So it's about spending your money on things that give you temporary pleasure and not lasting value. Right? Right? <laughs> you are ready to say yes. It's true. Okay? So you just... You know you can go out now to buy food and 10,000 will just go like that. You know, right? Would that be lasting value? Yeah, in a way, but not necessarily sometimes. Hmm? Can just go buy pizza. Say, this pizza is uh, Chaquinto pizza. So what does he have? And all that made... There's no pizza like that, so... All that made them to call it Chaquinto pizza is that they just cut the tomatoes in circles. Is that circle you are paying five five for? <laughs> it's the circle. <laughs> That's what you are paying five five for. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And the interesting thing, when you now eat those things, they are not as... So you just realize that your taste will just... It's just temporary. It's not, it's not a lasting value. Meanwhile, if you have taken probably that 5,000 and bought stocks and leave it for one year, maybe it becomes 15,000. Value. Value. One of the reasons people are poor as Christians is when money comes, they want to show people that that prayer they have been praying, God has answered. So everybody must know that God has not left them this year. See, take that thing from your mind. You don't need to show anybody that God has answered your prayer. Just keep walking and keep building. Especially if you want to build generational wealth. Remember how we started this series, Legacy Living, Thinking with the Future in Mind. All right. Number five. We have six, right? Number five. No. Number four. Okay, let's go quickly. Right? Number four, verse 12. The sleep of a working man is pleasant, whether he eats little or much, but the full stomach of the rich man does not allow him to sleep. Okay, what does this mean? The sleep of the worker is sweet. HCSB Bible. Whether I eat little or much, but the abundance of the rich permits him no sleep. It's very simple. What was he trying to say? He said, when you're a rich man, because you have abundance, you can't really sleep. There's a lot you're thinking about. He says, but, you know, the man who is working and doesn't really have anything, in contrast, whether he eats a little or not, he's tired, he's sleeping, he's going to sleep. Now, let me explain this. When you are wealthy and you have got all these many investments, all these many things you have foreign, all these many projects, you know, you're always thinking of one thing, right? Thinking of this project, thinking of that project, thinking of this project. So that abundance actually also makes you not to sleep. That's why your trust must not be in riches. Remember the rich man who thought to himself, I will do this. He was not sleeping now. I will do this. I will do this. Remember the poor man has just gone to sleep. Build a system in your life that will not come with anxiety. Even in my own personal life, I don't do investments that give somebody high blood pressure. Huh? 
know, some of you do some investment that you're in front of the computer. If the graph drops, oh Jesus. And I don't. <laughs> I don't. You understand what I'm saying? Are you getting what I'm saying? Your wealth should not make you not sleep. Do what can make you sleep. I know there's a level of, of wealth you cannot get if you don't take risk. That's why when you speak to a financial consultant, they would ask you, what's your risk appetite? Right? How much risk can you handle? There are people who can handle risk. <laughs> Some of us, leave it there. Hmm? Some of us have zero risk appetite at all. So just leave it. I'm just using my money. Some a bit of so you've got to find out. Because this journey to wealth is not just supernatural. The natural things to do. Okay, the next one. Let's go to the next one. Are you learning something tonight? Alright, talk to me. Are you learning something? Okay, the next one. There's a grievous evil which I have seen under the sun. Riches being hoarded by their owner to his own heart. Don't hoard money. Right? Don't hoard money. You see, money is not meant to be hoarded. It's not meant to just be kept. If you keep money, you keep money to your own worth. There are three M's of money. You manage it. Sorry, you make it. Right? What's the next thing you do after making money? You manage it. What's the third thing you do after managing money? You multiply it. Money was not meant to just be kept. Right? Naturally, even if you leave your money in the bank for one year, you are actually not saving money. Right? Because inflation has acted upon it. You're losing money. Now, if you look at the parable of the talent, what did Jesus tell that wicked man? He says, at least you should have kept my money in the bank. That was the least form of investment Jesus recommended. So you should have just kept it in the bank. So you must learn to manage money, to make money, to manage money, to multiply money. It's very important. It's very important. You must build that financial education. Don't hoard it to your own heart. And the message I'm also teaching you is not to promote stinginess. Because there's a balance. You know, people don't sometimes, some people don't know how to take correction. Say, ah, can you help me? Say, no. <laughs> Charity without budget is irresponsibility. I mean, no, no, no. That's what I'm saying. We're not saying become stingy, right? You <laughs> plan, but don't know what you're saying, become stingy. Because then you'll, you'll be um, hoarding money to your own heart. Okay, there's one who scatters and yet increases all the more, and there's one who withholds what is justly due, and yet it results in poverty. Proverbs 11:24. Now, scattering there is very important. Scattering there does not just mean giving. Scattering also means what? Investment. Because there's seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So every money you have, listen carefully to this, please. Pay attention. Don't miss this. Every money you have, there is seed and there is bread. What's bread for eating? What's seed for planting? What, 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 what is planting about? Not just planting seeds like giving, but also investments. Okay, so I want to deal with this last one. Are we, are we clear on that? Alright. Number six. I want to really spend time here. Go to verse... So we're just looking at some things that Solomon just shares with us about the concept of money. And if Solomon is talking about money, pay attention to it. Because he made some very good loads of money. Made some good money. <laughs> okay. Verse... So we're going to read 13 and 14 together. Ecclesiastes chapter 5. 
13 and 14. There's a grievous evil which I've seen under the sun, riches being hoarded by the owner to his own heart. When those riches were lost through a bad investment, and he had fathered a son, <laughs> then there was nothing to support him. Interesting scenario, right? Hey, come and talk to me. Are you here? Interesting scenario. Rich man. The man did bad investment. And now he has his son. Scripture says, <laughs> and there was nothing to support him. See how the man ended. As he had come naked from his mother's womb, so he will return as he came. He will take nothing from the fruit of his labor that he can carry in his hand. Let's go up. I want to talk about this. When we talk about wealth, you must think in generations. And let me say this to you. Please pay close attention next 10 minutes. Pay close attention. First of all, make up your mind that you're not going to be poor. Starts with your mind. Number two, recognize your generation. Which generation are you? Let me give you an example. Some of you are foundation-laying generations, which means that your parents didn't really lay any foundation for you. So you are laying a foundation for the next generation. Let me tell you something. You might not be as wealthy as you think. The foundation you need to lay might be certain values. Let me explain something. Now, I know I'm going to be wealthy. I know, but I mean, I expect my son and my daughter to be able to walk in more wealth because it's simple. My grandparents were illiterate. My father managed to go to school, finished polytechnic, then managed to get his master's. So, he didn't have the benefits of education in that sense. When they gave birth to me, I went to school on time. Went to the university. Had the benefits. A bit of exposure. Now, I couldn't go to a private university. It couldn't. It was, not, it was not something you think about. My parents couldn't afford it. Now, I'm the third generation from that. My kids are the fourth generation. There are some schools I would not expect my son to go to because I can afford some other schools. That gives them what? An added advantage. I don't expect my grandkids to go to certain schools because we have escaped. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Except my son does something fundamentally wrong. He shouldn't repeat this track. Listen carefully to what I'm saying. My father's expectation of wealth should not be at my level. My expectation of wealth should not be at my son's level. Now, because, listen carefully, because I am also laying a foundation for a greater expression of wealth, there are sacrifices I must make today to be able to enable them step higher. Which means, if my friends at my level are doing certain things, I know that I am building for the next generation i cannot do that not because i don't want to but there is a foundation i'm laying are you hearing what i'm saying some of you are foundation layers that is you are under it's not that you have you are starting some of you just the only thing you were given in life is shovel you have to dig your way out you don't have a business comparing your life 
you live in and you're fine with it it this thing listen if you understand what i'm telling you now there will be no pressure are you hearing what i'm saying if you hear that we went on vacation it is vacation that we can afford let me tell you a story i've told you before one time we went on vacation as if i'm pastor mary went somewhere then they served the food right in europe then i brought out my calculator <laughs> finished eating plate of food was maybe twenty-five thousand. <laughs> we had morning we had evening so the next day i told her i said the way this journey is going don't worry you will eat eh? i will eat later can i i'm a man of faith can i not say just eat god will provide yes but you know as we are coming back children's school fees have to be paid and you know that the fact that you just heard that our ah, pastor went abroad to rest even the little seed you were planning to sow before say ah forget ah, ah, pastor our pastor is where is in europe do you understand so what i'm trying to say is that there's nobody sitting here and thinking that when pastor comes back his children will go to school if i don't think that for myself my children can drop out of school as you are seated there now there's nobody thinking about what you need don't fool yourself are you hearing what i'm saying when your uncle says we need roof he's not thinking if your children's school fees have been paid when last did someone give you a call and say this are your children has how are they are they in school they just assume they're in school are you getting what i'm saying you know your generation and you humble you don't do ah, i'm a man of god i'm a man of god you will eat all your savings and come back are you hearing what i'm saying you must come to a point in your life where you say for that i will afford it in the next few years but for now no building and the next thing is bad investment hmm? you want to become wealthy listen carefully don't be in a hurry this man we are reading here the the scripture says put it up for me again the scripture says he lost what he had through bad investment i think it was Brahmat that was talking about when we we're contributing about proverbs and he said something that the bible actually records everything and it's true i have everything there if you take time to read say when those riches were lost through a bad investment and he had fathered a son <laughs> some of you have that experience your father was rich your elder brothers used to tell you that your father was rich because by the time you came bad investment yeah you understand what i'm saying ah see when daddy used to have money when that and you are like ah, ah where is it they will now show you one tv that this tv it was people that used to have money in those days that used to buy this tv bad investment so why we want you wealthy be patient you just see bring this one you get 40 percent you now throw your whole life savings hmm? sometimes it might not be your fault and like i tell you the things i teach you are the things i practice things some of them have also happened to me had a cool investment it wasn't nothing much maybe 25 percent a year i'm saving for my boys school fees 
Save the Lord, save the Lord, save the Lord. <laughs> and then one day, Josh realized it was a bad investment. Four years of savings gone. Thank God that he was not just entering school. Can correct the mistake. We're correcting the mistake now. But just assume if that was all we had, this scripture would be true. Why am I teaching you this tonight? On this atrium, there's no guarantee for riches. Don't invest in what you don't understand. Don't invest in what you don't know about. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Come on, church. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If there is an investment, study it. Know it. Hmm? Study it. Buy books. Read. How does this thing work? And when I tell you this, you know, I, I, I teach you like family. I don't teach you like a preacher. Especially for wisdom for living. That's why sometimes I put my personal experiences, not because I want to show that I'm perfect, but just to tell you that we walk through these things. You know, I had some investment in stocks. I really don't know what was going on there. I, I really don't know what was going on. But as I began to read Ecclesiastes and I saw this, and I, I bought books, started asking questions, started attending them, knowing how it works. So that you don't wake up one day and they tell you this thing is not there. So for some of you, you have to invest in financial education. Because I'm not going to spend all my days teaching you wisdom for living. We don't start doctrinal teaching. So you have to go learn it. Read. Buy books. Don't be ignorant. Wherever you're investing your money, have a grip on it. Have a knowledge of it. Because the Bible says that your riches can be lost through bad investment. And if you have fathered a son, what happens? You'll not be able to live to your responsibility. Don't be ignorant of where your money is. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Don't just... Um, some of you can bear witness if you follow football. Right? Hey, come on. For two more minutes. Right? If you follow football, how many times have you heard stories of footballers who used to earn a lot and then they are suffering? What, what do they normally say? That they trusted someone to invest the money on their behalf. It's the same story. Heard the story of Usain Bolt. Right? Fastest runner in the world. Who had all those funds and he lost it and for them it's so sad because their career is so short some of us have the privilege of working if we make a bad investment we can still work so go and study don't be in a hurry keep your money where it is and study and know how that money is working don't just trust people don't just trust flyers don't just trust sweet talking people. Bring 50,000. I will do this. I will. No, 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 no. Study. Don't give yourself an excuse. I don't really know how that thing works. Read about it. Ask questions. You cannot journey to wealth if you don't want to understand how money works. There are few people in this world you can be able to trust with your investment and you can go to sleep. There are few. There are not many. So if you don't find them, does that mean you will not invest? You will. So, you might want to take your time and study. Hmm? Somebody say, oh, pastor, I don't even have money to eat, not to talk of investments. You're still thinking poor. You're not going to be like this all the days of your life. So, why not start reading now? Why not start building for the future now? 
Let's think legacy. And I'll close by this. I beg you, in the name of God, don't bring children into this world you cannot take care of. I beg you. Singles, before you marry, ask the question. How many children do you want? The man says four. Then say plus mistake. How many? <laughs> you have to ask for mistake because I know say, oh mistake. Ah, we didn't really plan it. Ah, we didn't really plan it. See, your real figure and mistake figure. How many? Because it might get to a point where I have to cut something off so that mistakes do not repeat themselves. But say six. Give or take six. <laughs> There's no problem with having six children. They are amazing, beautiful creature. Then you ask for the account number and check the balance. God will provide. God has never paid any child school fees. Have a conversation. I beg you, as your pastor, if you can take care of two children conveniently, it's okay. As God prospers you, you can adopt. You cannot be depending on other people for your children's school fees. You cannot be in the hospital and be calling your uncle. Pregnancy is not an emergency. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? Before you marry, I I just like children. They don't train children with like children. If you like children, have two of your own. Then go and walk in the orphanage. So you can give your time. In the morning you go there, there are children everywhere. Play with them and come back. (laughs) If you like children, buy biscuits in front of your house every day. When you come out, spread biscuits on the floor. As children come and play, you play with them. But you know that in the evening, they will return to their father's house. Then the two that belongs to you will come home. You cannot like children and have seven children that you are struggling to pay their school fees. What you are doing is you are setting up the next generation for failure. God is not against family planning. If you are married and you know the resources cannot accommodate mistakes, go to the hospital. Have a conversation. And whatever they tell you to do, do it. Don't say God who brought them will take care of them. It's a language of the poor. Are you, I'm serious. That's why I'm not smiling. It's a language of the poor. Let us reduce the pressure. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You don't look at your children and get angry. <laughs> Tell you, my friend, leave there. My friend. Relax. Relax. And if the wife likes children and the man does not like children in that sort, have an agreement before you go and collect the wedding certificate. These are the conversations you should have before you get married. No, do you like my hair? Do you like me? Uh, do you really like me? See, let me, let me tell you, you can like anybody in this world. Likeness does not pay school fees. Let us ensure that the next generation is not suffering. There's too much poverty in our nation to introduce our children to it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And if you have had them already, not a problem. 
go back and take all the wisdom for living series and begin to rearrange the blocks of the future. Put your children in school you can afford. Plan your life. Plan your life. The government has no plan for you. So you have to plan your life. I beg you. God is not wicked. He's a faithful God. And if I look at you, I know God is faithful. Because by the mistakes some of us have made, we should not be here. Don't keep singing God of the second chance over your finances. You blow bad investments, say, you are the God of the second chance. A time will come. Your landlord will drive you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So as the year is starting, three things you must prioritize as a member of this church. Number one, prioritize your rent. Start saving for your rent. It's two years time, start saving. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Number two, your children, give them quality education. Send them to good schools. Let's lay a good foundation. Number three, eat well. And don't forget your tithe. Now close the door. But you understand what I'm saying? Lay out those things. And I've realized something. As you do these things, God has a way of increasing you. Because you know what? God can trust you. Let's pray. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we come before you. And Lord, areas that we've made mistakes financially, we just repent of them today. We ask that you would infuse your wisdom upon us, that we will make the right decisions. And I thank you, Father God, for everyone that will listen to this message, that the heart of wisdom will be released upon them and will make the right decisions where finances is concerned. The discipline that will set us on the path of wealth is released upon us tonight in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The knowledge that will set us on the path of wealth is released upon us tonight in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Are you blessed? Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.